0: All right, today on the show, we're lucky enough to have a good friend of mine. His name's Luke Doncarado. uh, accomplished athlete, multiple sport athlete in high school. Went on to play uh, collegiate baseball. Uh, transferred into the business world seamlessly. Has been very successful in everything that he's done. He accomplishes more than most with the with a good attitude and perseverance. Uh, even though uh, even above his talent at times, Luke, it's great to have you on the show, buddy. I can't wait to dig into your brain a little bit. And, uh, and see what we can find. Hey, Andy, appreciate you having me on. I love what you're doing with this show
1: and have uh, been following your career for a long time and uh, excited to be a part of uh, part of it today.
0: Cool. And that's one, one cool thing about uh, what we're doing here at Get Your Game Right and the ideas that we have is we're the average Joes. We're the guys, the normal guy who went out there and just on a consistent basis played hard, had a little bit of ability – and always, always maximized the talent based on where they got. I think you're a perfect example of that. I mean, you're a guy who uh, excelled in football, who excelled in basketball, who excelled in baseball. And it's not like you're six foot five, you know, two hundred and twenty five pounds, and run a, a four two forty. But you still still found ways to to produce at, at very high levels.
1: Yeah, I think it, when I was growing up as a kid, I just I felt like I gained a lot of confidence through team sports with my friends and that kind of rolled up into middle school and then high school. I always knew I liked playing sports and I was going to play all through high school. And I I felt like if I kept, kept at it, I could get a college scholarship and I could maybe take some of the burden off of my parents to help me pay for college because I knew I wanted to go to college for one. And for two, I didn't really want to work too much. Like I didn't want to have a job. While going to college, I'd rather play in a sport. Hopefully, get a scholarship, make friends that way, uh, keep getting better, and you know maybe at some point, at the time I was thinking, well, maybe I can make this into some sort of a career. Um, that didn't end up working out for me, but that was kind of my my thought process. And going into middle school and high school, I felt like I kind of knew I I had a lot of confidence because I kind of knew I was one of the top players on the team, one of the top players in the area. And the rest of my teammates and the people around me knew that too. So in high school, I think I derived my confidence from my teammates, from the community. But as I moved up, went to community college, played with you at uh, Hutchinson, that portion of my confidence was kind of gone. Cause I was like, okay, now I'm in a spot where everybody was like me. So it was kind of had to regroup, rethink, where am I going to drive new confidence from? And how am I going to get that? So that was, and I don't know, I don't know what your exact feelings was going into making the jump from high school to college, but for me it was, okay, how do I figure out where I can gain an edge? And at this point it's just where I can gain an edge so I can see the field. It wasn't necessarily where I can gain an edge so I can be a star in this, in this league in college. It was, how do I even start by just getting on the field every day? That was, that was what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, it's something that people face a lot, you know, our confidence where we derive our confidence from does matter. Like you said, you, we, when you hit the next level, you had to find a new way to gain that confidence because no longer was it Luke Nancurado. You know, you were the star player on the, ever since uh, Little League. You know, you were, you were always a good player. But then you hit a point where the other players are as good as you. The coaches don't care where you're from. Uh, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You have to prove it today.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And everybody everybody from the from their past probably has a similar story that you do. So the coach is right They're there to figure out, okay, who's going to help me win on the field now? They don't care how good you were in high school. They don't care how how good you were growing up as a kid. It's what are you going to do now? So what I realized was, okay, I'm not the fastest guy. I'm clear. I'm only five foot nine. I'm clearly not the biggest guy. and I don't have a very strong arm compared to compared to the rest of the players on the team. And I'm also not hitting the ball out of the ballpark in batting practice. So what can I do to show the team, for one, myself, the team, and the coaching staff, that I can make a difference here? I can provide value. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, let's start on defense. I can control how many grounders I can field. I can control throwing the ball across the diamond accurately. I can't control necessarily how hard I throw it, and I can't necessarily – control how fast it gets there. But I could, there's a few things I can control, and that's consistently fielding ground balls and consistently making strong throws across the diamond accurately where I'm not having the first base, but after for each stretch. And mm-hmm. that was where that was where I started. That was my building block, basically. I can do this better than these other guys who probably have more talent than me uh, at the plate, possibly on the base paths too with their speed. But here's where I can start. And that's, that was the first thing I did was I said, all right, Let's field as many ground balls smoothly and make outs. Make outs, productive outs. Get people out when they hit the ball to you. That's how I started because I realized, okay, these other guys might have been recruited for speed or power or some other some other aspect. And I, it for me, I was like, all right, maybe I was recruited for my defense. Then let's start there. And then let's build on the other aspects of the game first. After that, mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? A hundred percent. It's you, you, like, that's what the whole program's about how do you add the most value to an organization to a team uh to an establishment to anything in life whether it's baseball football sports it could be the business world it could be if you're doing a fundraiser you have to find ways in organizations to add value and what you what you figured out quickly was okay here's my strength this is where i can add value immediately if i focus on that because what 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 other guys were were focusing on was trying to hit the ball out of batting practice and BP where you were just focused on make sure I make the routine plays as my at bats come, learn how to have quality at bats, you know, and that's, then it turns into you're worrying about things you can control on a daily basis. What everybody talks about in baseball is consistency. How do you become consistent? Because that's really the, the, the determining factor at the end of the day, day in and day out, everybody can go four for four, everybody can go over four, but over time, uh, are you more valuable playing on the field every day or is when you're going bad, is it hurting the team enough to where they're going to have to set you and they can't trust to put you out on the field and at least make the routine play on a daily basis. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so that's kind of how I started. And I, my confidence kind of regrew from there. And then I realized, okay, I'm not hitting the ball out of the ballpark very much. So what can I control at the plate? Well, I could swing at quality pitches only. I'm not going to swing at balls out of the strike zone. I'm not going to get myself out to the best of my ability. And I can lay down bunts. And I re- realized pretty quickly that I was surrounded in this lineup with other guys who could get on base and who could hit the ball out of the ballpark. And I also realized our coaching staff's philosophy was get guys on, get them over, get them in. And if we could do that, they they would continue playing me. So focused a lot on getting bunts down, sacrifice bunts, not necessarily even bunting for base hits, but just getting bunts down. I also learned back, a lot of back control, um, moving runners over, hitting balls on the ground of the opposite field, things that a lot of guys at that level and at any level still don't take a lot of pride in. They don't take it really yeah. seriously. I mean, you, you watch – not necessarily all the way up the big league level, but some, some, some even some big league programs uh, put a lot more emphasis now on hey, you got a runner on second, hit the ball to the right side, get him over. Yeah, and we were doing that at our level. We were that was, I mean, that was preached every day. So, what are the coaches looking for? Buy into their strategy and then figure out a way to make it, make the best of it. And I mean, I could control taking a pitch on the inner half that I might in the past have been able to drive. Well, I'm just just so I can look for a pitch on the outer half, hit the ball to second baseman, make an out. Probably go my batting average probably going to go down, but I just moved a runner over. Hopefully, the guy behind me can get him in.
0: So, and, and those are the things that keep you on the field. And this is this is a huge point you just made, Luke. And I think it gets overlooked a lot. You hear so often that uh, little John, Johnny or or little Sarah is not playing because the coach doesn't like them or politics or this and that. What you're saying is. You, once you understand what the coach is looking for, deliver those results and he's going to play you or she's going to play you on a daily basis. If, if you can understand the philosophy, and it might be a good question for anybody to ask a coach, you know, hey, what, what exactly is kind of our team philosophy? What are we thinking about? What would you like to see me do? As opposed to guessing, it's okay to go talk to a coach and ask him. And if he doesn't have a clear-cut answer, you're going to figure it out as you go that's the way I always did it. I, you and me both kind of had that knack for what are they looking for in us? Let's produce those results. You know, what, what, what are, what do they want Andy Dirks to do? What is Andy Dirks job here on this squad? Because it's different when you go from team to team to team. You know, when I was uh, in AAA in Toledo, I was the three hole hitter, the center fielder. I was like the guy, right? Like uh, the the guy who I got to drive in the runs, I have this and this responsibility. I'm kind of the face of the team. You get called up in the big leagues. Now all of a sudden, I'm hitting hitting in the six hole, and my job, my primary job, is to help turn the lineup over, or the eight hole, or the nine, you know, or the nine hole, where my my job changed to. We have other guys who are the RBI guys and this and that. Your job is to get on base, play good defense, and and make a difference where you can. But it, my job wasn't to go out and drive in all the runs and do all this crazy stuff, right? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. That's very it's a that's a very difficult concept for people to
1: understand as they move from level to level. And you you were lucky enough to go from you went you played at all sorts of different levels through the minor leagues and up to the major leagues. And You played at a community college then a Division One college at Wichita State. You played at a small high school, so you got to see. You, you played a different role at every single level, which is, which is, I mean, a lot of people can't say that. So you've got a lot of experience there on what
0: your role is in, in each specific team and, 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 control. I love what you say about think about what you can control because baseball is a game of unknown to a point. I always knew I could control my defense. I could control running the base as well. I could control things of that nature, Right. I could not control what that pitcher was going to throw me, how many hits I was going to get that day. As hard as I would try and focus, there's days where you might hit three line drives and you get no hits. You hit one right at the second baseman. You hit one right at the shortstop. You, you fly out to the warm track, whatever it is, right? right. It, it's not an unproductive day. You are having good solid at-bats. So when I measured my success at the plate, it was what kind of a-bats am I having and how can I improve from that factor you know, there's times you might strike out, but don't chalk that up to a bat at bat because you're working. If you keep that same mental toughness and those approaches, even though you struck out that time, it's going to accumulate to some positive success at some point. Not in the moment, but at some point, it might be that day, it might be the next day. And I remember I had a big league, uh, and a bat in the big leagues, my rookie year. Uh, I was called up fairly recently against the Yankees. And we were losing the ball game by, I think, eight runs. No, no. It was because it was the closer. Uh, The closer came in nasty. uh, So, we were down by, I think it was three runs. It was, like, the biggest lead he could have. Nobody on, two outs. I get up to the plate, and I literally have, like, an 18-pitch at bat where I am fouling stuff off, fouling stuff off, never say die, end up striking out. At the end of the game, I'm walking back in, and Leland just says, way to go, kid. Like, that that shows you that, yeah, we lost that game, but he saw in me some determination, some grit, some I'm going to get after it regardless of what's going on in the, in the situation. Everybody's ready to go get on the, the bus to hit the airplane, right? Uh, and I'm out there just fouling stuff off, fouling stuff off, fighting for my life, proving to him that I do deserve to be on this team to some aspect, to some degree.
1: Yeah, you showed him. You can show him right there. But no matter what the situation is, you're you're gonna play the exact same way. And you're not gonna give up in a bat just because either the game
0: is out is out of out of hand or it's whatever it, it is. It's, it's just day right if, anything. If or, you take if you take the game with that approach on a daily basis, I don't care what level you're at, you're gonna start getting better. Every every at bat, and I've had at bats like everybody else, we both did, to where I'm walking back to the dugout like what just happened? You know, my focus wasn't there. That's what it was. Right. I wasn't I wasn't where I should have been when I got into the box, and I, I just let the guy dominate me. But right there, when I feel that, I know, okay, let's refocus. Let's regroup and, and get back after it. And that's, that's the stuff you can control is that mindset. And one thing I noticed about you when you played is you were an even-kill guy. You never were real high, and you never were real low. You always just would come out with the same demeanor on a daily basis out there to get the job done, have some fun and and play some ball. How, how does a kid, how do you, how do you do that on a daily basis? What are some keys and like emotions that you have? How do you suppress some uplift some to keep your confidence while you're going through that?
1: And that's a, that's a great question. And if there was one, if there was just one obvious answer, it would, everybody could do it. Right. So this is, this is how you can separate yourself. And for me, I struggled with that, especially as I moved up in in, in the higher levels. I remember, I specifically remember one game where it was my first at-bat uh, community college game. I worked the count, 2-1, 3-1, one, one, got a good pitch to hit, fastball, 3-1 count, and I put a good swing on it, but I popped it, popped it up to left center field. I mean, just got under it by just a little bit, probably a quarter inch. I mean, that's the difference between a line drive, double in the gap, in and out. And I went back to the dugout, and I was <clears> thinking to myself, man, oh, man, is this going to be one of those days? I mean, I felt like I put a good swing on that, didn't get anything to show for it. But the coach came up to me, one of our assistant coaches, pulled me aside and said, hey, as a quality at bat. That was a good swing. You just barely missed it. you know. And maybe in the past, I would have thought I would have dwelled on that swing. I would have dwelled on that swing, even though it wasn't a bad swing. It was a bad result, but not necessarily a bad swing. So instead of building on that, I was right on time, put the barrel on it. I just missed it. You know, that happens sometimes. I came back the next at bat, and I was able to hit a hard ground ball up the middle and kind of get, get, get some momentum going. I think for me, one of the problems I had that you kind of taught me along the way how to avoid is don't worry about what you did in your last at bat. If you hit a single, if you hit a single, whatever, build on it, it doesn't matter. If you got out previously, it doesn't matter. As long as you're taking quality at bats, and you're not getting yourself out, don't you don't need to be dwelling on the result. And that was that was something that was hard for me at the plate. And then definitely you gotta and you can't take anything to the field with you either. Whether you hit a home run, you struck out the inning before, you gotta get out to the field and clear it all. I mean, it's all it's all brand new, and you can't control anything in the past anyway, right?
0: There that is a hundred percent fact. What a lot of guys do, and I see it time and time again, and I've seen it of baseball is not understanding that because the result wasn't what they wanted, that it didn't mean that that, that bat, per se, was not a success. You know, I've had at-bats where, say, I just miss a piss, like out, uh, that to me were a success. And I bought into that in my own brain. Other people might not see it that way, and that's okay. They don't need to. What I knew was, okay, he just struck me out on a 2-2 changeup. This was this is a little more advanced stuff, but I know. Okay, if I get to a two-two count again, I already know what's coming. Pitchers and catchers have a way they want to sh- they want to make you prove to them that you can make an adjustment on a pitch like that. Now, this is this is very advanced. So for the young kid, keeping the mindset. Anybody, any player. I don't care if you're in the big leagues right now. Keeping the mindset of understanding, like what you said, you can build on it bats, good or bad. Say you have a terrible at-bat, your first, first at-bat, just wash it. Just get rid of it and go back with a, a, a renewed focus knowing, okay, I'm not going to let him do that to me again. So this at-bat, I'm going to focus up a little bit harder and I'm going to focus on something simple like, okay, let's just hit the ball back up the middle. Instead of thinking, well, you know, I just – I, I, I popped that one up. I'm just going to hit fly balls because what will happen is you'll see that and when then all of a sudden you naturally think, I need to tomahawk chop a ball or do something because I don't want to hit it in the air. And that's the worst idea you can ever do is make a huge adjustment to your approach off of one, two, three at-bats. Make little incremental thought adjustments. Hit the ball back up the middle hard. And I, I can't stress that enough. If, When in doubt, if you're struggling, whatever it is, or even say you just missed miss, miss that pitch, you get to the 3-1 count the next time, do the exact same thing but just think, hit the ball through the middle hard, and I, it doesn't. It, that approach is spell proof That's right.
1: That's exactly right. It's great advice. And I mean, as a younger kid, if you, if you uh, even as a parent, when you're teaching and coaching your kids, you, you just you want them to play the game, and you want them to play with the joy of, of a kid and have fun. And the best way to have fun is to get better. It's not necessarily. come out and be be the greatest player on the field right the the more fun the better you get the more fun you have and it's 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 a direct correlation it doesn't really have anything to do with winning championships or winning you know making it to the next level especially as a kid i mean if i'm eight to 14 years old you gotta be you gotta play the game because you want to you want to have some fun and the best way to have fun this is what we always tell our kids is improve once you feel yourself improving it's it's so much more fun and especially if you're doing it with your teammates that you enjoy being around and you could see them improving, everybody kind of lifts each other up. And that that's the best part about team sports is is the sum of the parts is, or the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? Everybody comes together and make themselves better. So, I mean, like a kid, you just want
0: to have fun. Man. Yeah, can, and that's the most important thing. That's right. And finding joy in that is huge. Like you said, a lot of the, the younger sports now The team aspect is wavering, especially in, like, baseball, even basketball. You know, they have a lot of showcase camps where guys are going out trying to get theirs. What they don't realize is if you attach to a team and you attach to the people around you and you want what's best for the the person playing next to you with you constantly, it's going to lift you up to be a better player because you have more positive energy, more positive thoughts. You're not going to dwell on your failures as much. And you're also not going to wallow in your success as much when you went three for four, but the team lost the game. And this guy out here who busted with you every day went over four with three punchies. It makes you stay a little more level. And maybe that's that, that will also help you keep that even kill like you. Have. Right.
1: I mean, yeah, it's a team game. It's always a team game. You're always playing for the team. Um, and the, yeah, it's important, especially as you, the more you play and the more you progress, I mean, even the kids now they're playing. Some kids are playing. What are they playing? Almost 100 games a summer. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no wild. way you can you can ride a roller coaster of emotion and energy playing that many games, even even as a kid.
0: Well, I don't think I don't think there's a kid on planet Earth that is mentally capable of playing that many games uh, and enjoying them. I don't, and somebody might prove me wrong, but I know for me. I'm a big believer in playing multiple sports, doing multiple activities at a young age. A lot of the kids now, everybody says you need to specialize, you need to specialize, you need to specialize. In all honesty, what has there been, like 6,000 people ever played in the big leagues. If you're banking on making it to the big leagues to be your mill ticket, you're probably banking on the wrong thing. You need to enjoy the game, enjoy the process. If your talent and your hard work all come together, say one day you do make it to the big leagues, that's awesome. Great job. But even guys that have all everything put together the right way, sometimes you just don't make it. And even if you do, it's still not necessarily a mill ticket. You make it to the big leagues for a week and a half. It's not like you're you're never gonna have to have another job in your life, right? And I think a lot of people miss that. They miss that concept. And then you have the you don't wanna be the guy, and I'll stress this time and time again, who's who goes to, the, to the, uh, the local Little League game and just tells stories about back when he played, his glory from back when he played, as opposed to always striving to be better in life at what you're doing now. So you move on to a professional career or whatever. Use those same aspects and enjoy improving in those. And that's where you get a little more quality life.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I went on and played uh, after community college. When you went to Wichita State, I moved on and played at the small division two in Southeast Kansas, uh, Pittsburgh State University, the Gorillas. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I, the level of play was pretty similar to the community college level, I would say. The community college level, I think you probably actually get a little bit more talented guys that are just not as polished as, mm-hmm. as, once, you bring it, as once you move on to a four-year university. And you're going to have a better mix at the four-year of guys who have learned to maximize their potential, basically. So more guys with less talent, but are playing the game at a higher level. And it's probably, I mean, that's similar at Wichita State for you guys. You kind of just had the combination of guys with talent who are then learning to optimize their their value. Same with same with division two. As you get older, you get more experience. You just you learn to play to your strengths better. You learn to cover up your weaknesses. And I struggled a little bit at Pittsburgh State. Because I, I kind of got got away from the concept of doing what's best for the team. I, I wanted to become more of the guy. I, I was I wanted to say, okay, I spent my time at the community college. I put in my time as a team player. Now let let me try and let me try to hit some more home runs. Let me try and steal more bases. Let's stop trying to move runners over. And that I mean that was a wake up call for me because I realized real quick, oh, I got I can't I can't play like this. This isn't going to get me anywhere. It's not going to get the team anywhere. So I had to I had to go back to my roots real quick. Oof. Otherwise, I would, I would have seen time on the bench there, and I didn't want that, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and the, the funny thing about that is, is whenever you try to play outside of your game, once you've learned it, and we're all about building a independent ballplayers, players, what I call it. Somebody, you get to a point where you know your game enough, that you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, and you know how to be effective on a daily basis. I think what, in perception, in our minds, when we think adding value is the guy who's the three-hole hitter that's driving in the runs, that's doing all this. In reality, though, at any level, people need consistent players. That's what guys – coaches really love. The guy who can go out there, and he doesn't have to think about him, or he doesn't have to think about her. He plays her at shortstop because he knows that she goes out there and she's going to bust it. She's going to make the plays. Is she going to be perfect? Of course not. But he knows what he's going to get every day. So when he goes to write a lineup, there's like five people in, in their brain already that they already know. Okay, I know what I'm getting from these people until they have proved it to me. And until they prove me different, they're going to be a write-in every day. That's what you want to get to. You want to be the person on the team. And those are the people, believe it or not, who are the, the leaders and who are the people who are the guys or the girls on the team. Like everybody wants to be – the the big time player on the team if the coach already will just pencil you in you need to give keep giving them a reason to keep you out on that field every day understanding that that can be gone very quickly just like with what you said you try to change a little bit of your game you're like okay i gotta get back to what's making me valuable or my butt's gonna be back on the bench that's right and not taking it for granted exactly not taking
1: it for granted so it's so important um, I was. I guess my mindset was okay. Now I have moved on to a four year. I've proven myself. I've proven myself over the course of my life now at every level. So let's try. Let me try and be a different player because mm-hmm. because that's what these maybe that's what these these new this new team is expecting. Because I'm here. I didn't think I the same thing. I didn't think about the fact that everybody else is here too. They've they've done the same thing I have, and nobody really cares about what you did in the past. It's what are you going to do? today? How are you going to add value today
0: in our society as a whole in every aspect is moving more that way. What have you done for me lately? You know, even with, uh, uh, life in everything that we do, we have to go out there and prove it every single day over and over and over. And that's a challenging thing to do because what some people want to tell us is because you've done X, Y, and Z, you deserve this. You're not, there's nothing in life that you deserve. Everything in life that's going to come to you today, you're going to have to earn. If you, if, if you can't get over that and it doesn't matter if, if your, your parents were super rich, super poor, none of that even matters. We're all on a level playing field. We're lucky enough to, uh, for the, the listeners in the U S we have a benefit. We already have an edge. All we have to do is go prove ourselves on a daily basis and we'll be successful. We, there's no excuses to not do that, even if you say, well, I did X, Y, and Z, and they didn't, and now look where I'm at. It's because you're falling into that trap of not producing it today and not being willing to produce it tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and if you think about it now now that I'm out, now that I'm out in corporate America, I mean, I've got employees now who will have a successful year. They'll get a great job. They'll get a great performance review on their, on their annual review, and they'll come back the next year. And I notice, man, they're not, they're not producing the way they did last year. What's going on here? And then I'll, So I, I bring it up to them. I say, hey, you know, last year you got a great performance review. You earned it. You deserved it. What's going on this year? And they, they say things like, man, I did such a good job last year. You know, I kind of got complacent. I started, I started kind of just trying to do enough to get by because I already know you think I'm a good employee. And, I, and you have to tell them, you know, you were a good employee now. But what is it that? What is What is, what is or You were a good employee last year. What does that have to do with what's going on right now? Like we, don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have the resources to, to be able to just let, let you try and get by. I mean, we, you, it's, a, it's an everyday continual cycle of optimization and growing and developing. And it doesn't matter how your performance review was last year. That's irrelevant, right? I mean, it's, it's a lesson that, that is constantly still being taught, even, in, even to adults.
0: Yeah, and there's not anything, it's just human nature. We are inherently want to put things in cruise control at times. And there's other times where other things come up in your life. You know, I know some some kids that that were really, really into baseball for a while, they kind of lose the passion for the game, whatever it is, for whatever reason. And then they want to go say they want to go uh, play guitar or, or go play football, or become a swimmer. And that's where their passion is. You have to revitalize your passion you also have to understand the concept of whatever you're doing in life and baseball's an amazing game it's fun at some point you're not going to want to go to the field that's okay it's okay to have those emotions right those are the kind of days when it when it's becoming a drag to you society would say well you need to quit and go find something different to do or you know if you're if you're a, a tuba player and all of a sudden you're just you're, you're just overplaying tuba. Get through that time. Don't just give up right away. Go ahead and push through that time and try to get over that next hurdle of getting better. And that's where i found the most gratification at times in my career uh, playing baseball. And that's why I say to these young kids, if they're playing 100 games, that's to me, I don't know a kid that can go out there and play that much baseball and truly enjoy it. I mean, you're taking up all their weekends, all their time with friends, all these different activities that they could be pursuing and be interested in. We don't—you're not giving your kid the best chance to be successful in life, uh, and and also not in baseball. I think playing multiple sports or doing multiple activities is good. You were a multiple sport athlete. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I I coach a softball team not here in Kansas City now, and we encourage we encourage them to play multiple sports um, just to just to, for one to stay in shape, right. To stay athletic to get, and you gain different skills in different sports. I mean, it's not all, it's not always as repetitive with baseball which, or softball, which is such a skill sport. If you play basketball, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to stay in shape and you're going to play with different people and you're going to learn new, new skills that, that you can't always learn in one sport. It's good to be a well-rounded athlete, I would say for sure. And, you know, playing so many games per year as a kid I can see the only way I can see that really working is if you're playing with the same nucleus of players for the whole season and you're going to stay with that same core for years to come as you grow up with them and that's not how it really works anymore now it's we pluck a few players off this team and we create an all-star team here and we're going to go play the game and it and it feels like to a kid it starts to feel like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a part in a, a machine, basically. It's, I'm more of a, I'm more it's more of a job than a game with my friends. It's because I'm not getting the same – building the same relationships with all these new teams that I'm being thrown on just because I'm going to play at this level in this tournament, and then the next week I'm going to go play back with this team in this tournament. It's not, it's not the same. So if you're going to play a lot of games, I would recommend playing with the same core group of kids that you can get better together with but I don't think that's really how it works as much anymore. At least when I was a kid and we were growing up, that's how it was. We were on the same team basically
0: from second grade to eighth grade. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was the transfer in just because my, I didn't have an opportunity where I, where I grew up small town, just outside of Hutchinson. We didn't even have summer baseball. We didn't have team availability to teams like that for the most part, you know? Uh, So I was kind of had to become a Rover, which, I was fortunate enough that every team I went on, uh, I'm a pretty likable guy. Not everybody has the same personality as me to be able to attach to people, trust people and have people trust me as quickly as I can get people to do it. And for that kid, I would say, you know, you have to understand that what you're doing on the field is going to gain some trust. What you're doing as a teammate, go ahead, be the guy that carries the, the batting practice balls. Be the guy that that pats a guy on the back and says, "Hey, nice hit, man." We're, I think that the competition uh, aspect and a lot of it comes from parents and and outside forces because kids naturally want to give their buddy a high five when he, they do a good job. What what society's telling them is that's your competition at the next level already. Like we want you to get a, a look, not him. What they don't understand is that just goes completely against human nature. of of being a good human, being a good teammate, your buddy gets a base hit up the middle and drives in a run, give him props. Good job, man. Even if, and I did that, I was doing that in double A and I had two big prospects in the outfield over me and I would give them props and they looked down on me. But in the end I got the last laugh because I just passed them right up, you know, because I truly believe that if you're out there trying to win as a team Even if you're the new guy coming into the team, be a good teammate. Have a good attitude. Go out there and be a positive light that people are just naturally going to attach to you. If they don't like you in the beginning, that's normal. It's okay. You don't have to be buddy-buddy right away with anybody. You don't ever have to be buddy-buddy. What they'll do, though, is over time, even if they talk crap on you, even if people you think they're saying stuff behind your back or they are, it's okay. Go out there with a smile. Go out there. Have some fun. Be really focused at what you're doing. Enjoy the process, uh, you know, get advice from the coaches when they give it to you. Don't be a suck up to the coach. I've never been a big believer in that. Go out there, do the job that the coach wants you to do. Have fun with your boys. And if you're the new guy, it's gonna come. It just takes a little time. Just takes a little, a few games, few practices. All of a sudden you start meshing. And, and most, most guys, most kids, they're good teammates naturally they they want you to be a part of the team whether they know it or not yet and and you'll fit that role yeah and kind of kind of comes back to control what you can control you can't really control how everybody else
1: is going to react to you but you can always control your effort and your attitude and doing i like like what you said about doing the extra little things grabbing the balls carrying some equipment helping out helping out other other players you know you know, there's always somebody else who can carry that catcher's equipment. If catcher if a catcher just caught 7 innings in 100 degree heat, he doesn't have to carry the catcher's equipment. If I'm playing infield, oh, I've got my bat and my glove. Jump on, jump over there, grab your catcher's equipment, tell him, "Hey, appreciate what you did back there in the
0: heat, you know." Yeah, pick him up. That's what teammates are for. The funny and the one thing I've realized about life and I've been fortunate to do a lot of different things, have a lot of different experiences, the the things that make me feel the best, if I go back to them, are helping other people. Without a doubt, things that I do for myself and that are self-gratifying have never lifted me up and never made me more confident and more positive than when you lend a helping hand or, you know, you pat somebody on the back, whatever it is, you give somebody a high five. If they know that you have their back, it that lifted me up, knowing that, hey, he knows he can count on me they know that I'm going to be here for them, whatever it is. I like that idea way better than I'm the guy, I'm the man, you know, look at me. That, that attitude I don't think is, is, is well for longevity, enjoyment, personal fulfillment, things of that nature. That's right. And, and that, taking that attitude, even
1: if you're not a great athlete, or you're not going to be the most successful player that, that attitude of, of kind of selflessness carries over, will carry, will carry over into the rest of your life. And everybody in, in an office, if I'm working at a, for a company, everybody likes to be around a person like that, right? I mean, that, that's just a great way to become more successful in your profession afterwards is, is doing that, just carrying that, ex, that exact mentality over into your day-to-day because it's, it, works, it works in an office setting. It, it works if you're an entrepreneur, for sure. It works if you're a supplier, a vendor, or, I mean, anything, right? Yeah. Taking that, that, that approach of I'm going to lift somebody else up today or I'm going to help somebody else.
0: Awesome and, being a, and, and what happens is you just naturally become a leader. Everybody, there's been millions of books written on leadership. There's conferences on it. There's there's so much stuff on leadership out there. And everybody wants you know there to be a leader on the team, this and that. You know, I don't think you can just raise your hand and say, I'm going to be the leader of this team. You guys are going to do what I'm going to say. It just doesn't work that way. Right? Leadership comes by, first of all, example. If you're not out doing it and you're not uh, proving it on a daily basis, it doesn't mean that you're the best player on the team at all. What it means is you're constantly there a little bit before everybody. You're constantly doing a little bit of extra. You're constantly lifting the guys up and it's it's an ongoing thing it's not like it just they say some people are natural born leaders i think that's true but i think that you you don't even understand that it's not a conscious thought it's just what you do yeah and it's very difficult as a coach to just to pull somebody
1: aside and say okay be a leader yeah that it's not something <laughs> that that works it, it, it it's it's something that's built over time mm. by leading by example and gaining trust you can't gain trust by just saying hey andy trust me it doesn't. It doesn't really work that way, right? It's, mm-hmm. You have to show show people over time, weeks, months, and that's when that's when you can kind of we talk about integrity, saying what, doing what you mean, meaning what you say, and doing what's right, even with no, when nobody else is looking. That is how you can really grow as a leader. And a leaders leaders are rare in this world. They're very rare. So, and it doesn't take necessarily any athletic talent to be a leader. And they're very valuable. I mean, you can get scholarships just from leadership alone. You don't have to be you don't have to be even on the field at some point. It's it's easier I think to be a leader if you're a better player.
0: It's easier to gain
1: respect, but it's not it's not mandatory, it's not mandatory at all.
0: Yeah, and I've found a big part of leadership in America, we think of a leader as a lot of guys want to be leaders and what they will do is undermine people, belittle people, yell at people, always constantly yelling. They want everybody else to think that they want it more than the guy next to them. That's not a leader. Throwing your helmet against the wall and beating up a a Gatorade jug because you struck out. That's not being a leader. That's being selfish. Leaders are not selfish people. Never has there been a, a great leader on planet Earth that was a selfish human being. A lot of guys will consider themselves a leader who are selfish and they think that they want it more than the guy next to them or the girl next to them. When in reality, all they're doing is dragging that teammate down with them. They're not lifting them up. They're not helping them become better. They're not doing anything, but, but worrying about themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. it's, it's a,
1: it's a hard, it's a hard skill to master. And I do think, People are born with the the, uh, leadership gene, I would call it. But you can also learn. You can definitely learn how to be a leader. And usually it it does take some to learn through experiences, I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, last topic uh, before we got to go. Luke, you you coach a softball team now. For all, you know, this program is directed towards anybody who can find value in it. And I think there's a lot of value in it. From baseball to fast-pitch softball what are some commonalities and what are some things that, that are a little bit different just as a game as a whole that, that maybe we can start learning from, from you. Cause I know noth- I don't know a lot about fast pitch softball. My sister played it. I think that it's very valuable uh, for some of these players, softball players to do the same thing. Right? So what, what, are, what are your thoughts on what's kind of the commonalities and what are the differences? Well, the big difference I've been coaching now for seven years, coaching softball at high
1: school level. And the biggest difference between softball and baseball is the game goes way faster. You're in and out. (laughs) Yeah. There's not as near as much time in between pitches. The bases are shorter. The game goes faster. Um, it's only 40 feet to home plate. So it's just naturally a quicker game. It's a faster moving game. I enjoy that about it. Um, but from an actual game perspective, you take baseball, and you magnify the team aspect, probably, you multiply it probably by five. And that's usually where the softball softball lies because softball is all about small ball, moving runners over, controlling back control, controlling where you want to hit the ball, slapping it where they're not. It's a lot less focused on who's going to drive the ball out of the ballpark and who's going to hit three-run home runs. It's runner gets on base, get them over with back control or bunting, and try and get them in with the blind drives up the middle.
0: Yeah. And every I can imagine when games move fast like that, there's a lot going on in people's brains. But also every mistakes magnified. If you have a shorter game, it's just the way it, the way it works. If you have a, a, a fast game that everything's going quickly, if you make an error at shortstop, that runner might be on third and headed home before you know it. Right. Whereas if you make an error at shortstop in baseball, they get one extra base. Let's regroup the pitcher gets back on the mound and, and revisits the, the thought process. That's right. And from a mental side of it in softball,
1: because this pace of plays is, is sped up. If you make a mistake, you have no time to dwell on it. You basically have to get right back up and be ready to go again in, in baseball. If I make a mistake, I got, I've got time between pitches to regroup, rethink, and get back and get back and ready to go again. But in softball, Ball's coming right back at you. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of time, and we notice a lot of times at the high school level the game starts going too fast for, the, for our players. I mean, they the game's moving too fast. The situations come too quickly. All of a sudden, a runner on first becomes first and third, and we got you you gotta know where your cuts are as an infielder. You gotta know where you gotta be on where the ball's hit, and that's a that's a drill we run in practice a lot. Is just simply, what do I do? Where do I go? when the ball is hit to me in different situations and we move runners around very quickly. We go from runner on first to first and third to second and third. And we're playing kind of a simulated game, moving quickly, getting to, to get people in the, to help them understand here's a situation. Here's where I go. And then when the game actually comes the game, even though it's moving pretty quickly compared to baseball, it's slowed slower compared to our practice. And yeah. They can carry that over and they can regroup and think it through, okay, this is what I gotta do. I've got to run around second, balls hit to the right fielder, I gotta hit my cut, first baseman, I gotta throw the ball through the cut right there. First baseman's gotta be thinking, the ball's hit to right field through me, I gotta get in the spot lined up with, with home plate. And the catcher has always gotta be talking, right? I mean they've always gotta be lining up, lining up their cuts, telling them to cut and hold, relay, mm-hmm. or let the ball go through. So it's just for at our level, you can gain a huge competitive advantage just without having any talent whatsoever on the field, all mentally of knowing where to be and what situation you're in. So you're literally,
0: you're literally taking time out of practice to work on things you can control in the game. Exactly. And that's, that's huge. You're not just out there taking some BP, taking some ground balls, and then all of a sudden expecting these girls to know, okay, this is the situation. Well, how didn't you, why didn't you know that? Well, if you don't practice it, it's going to be a little tough. Or if you don't think about it, if it's not a conscious thought in your head, you're never going to be able to accomplish that 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 goal. So I think that's that's really really good advice. I think that's even something we did that in baseball. Uh, you know, you simulate uh, different roles. Some guys, and this is one thing I'll I'll warn every player out there, and even coaches, don't take what seems simple for granted. Don't take these drills that when the coach tells you, "Hey, we're going to work on cuts and relays today," put yourself in the mindset to say, "Okay, let me work on this." So that way, when you get to the game, it's automatic. That's right. We talk about game slippage.
1: In the game, you got parents and fans yelling, and you're just your natural human tendency is to forget to lose about twenty percent of your of what you what you practiced on. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about that all the time. So you have to really prepare at 120% for in the game to get to the 100% level. So you're not, you know you're not forgetting, you're not losing.
0: That That's so true. You That's know. so true. Cause I can't remember how many times in practice, like you work on something and you get to the game and it's like, you don't even, it's completely gone. Right. Like just like when I walked back to the dugout after I struck out and I didn't even remember what happened in that bat. It's like, uh, I don't know what just happened. And it magnifies <laughs> as you go up in levels and you get bigger stadiums and and things get loud and rowdy and next thing you know you're just out there running on instinct (laughs) you know your adrenaline's pumping and and you're nervous or whatever so i think that you know give them give them quantifiable goals quantifiable tasks uh for people are what separate and they have to be simple you the the more you try to complicate things because the human brain can only process information at a certain stance anyway a certain rate what a lot of people do is overwhelm with information because they think maybe one thing will stick, as opposed to let's just make this really simple and really effective, which is very hard to do in anything. We we naturally want to overcomplicate things.
1: That's right. If you if you have set a long term goal, or you have a vision that's that's going to take the whole year or even multiple years to 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 meet. You want to set little intermediate goals, daily goals, weekly goals that are simple that you can, you know, you can work towards, you hit that goal, striving towards the larger vision. So,
0: yeah, cool, man. Well, Luke, thank you so much for being on the show. A wealth of knowledge. Uh, I'll let you get back to doing what you were doing. And uh, I appreciate it. It was really, really good stuff. I like I like uh, everything about you, uh, your mindset. I know you're going to be successful at whatever you do in life. If you have any, where, where can people hit you up? You got, do you do social media?
1: You know, I've got a Twitter account. I don't usually use Facebook too much. No, I try and
0: try and avoid social media, Um, which is perfectly fine. I don't have the luxury of doing that with what I do for a living. But, (laughs) but overall, okay, uh, Luke, thanks for the info, man. Uh, You're a class act. You're a good dude. I really appreciate you being on the show. I hope everybody enjoyed this. This was Luke Nacarado giving us the ideas on what we can control. Let's start thinking about what we can control as opposed to things we can't. It's going to help you with your success. It's going to help you progress as humans and players. This is Andy Dirks with Get Your Game Right. Thanks again, Luke. Have a good day, buddy. You too, Andy. Bye.